season three of <laughs> the, the Needle and the Mouse begins uh-huh. today. I like it. I, how many episodes do we have each season? That's my question. Well, this is episode seventeen, so something like uh, eight. Uh, okay. That's just, that's how many episodes were in the first season eight. of Entourage. Six, some six, because we're almost at eighteen. Eighteen times three. Yeah, but this is the beginning oh, of the yeah, third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Okay, never mind. And the so first are, season of Veep has eight episodes. So we have done eight episodes for the first two seasons. Yeah, I wonder if we declared there to be a season two at some point. I have a feeling we did. I think we did as a joke. So yeah. we'll just keep going with it. Okay. Uh, anyway, it is Sunday, the 12th of January, 2014. You're listening to The Needle and the Mouse with Dan Fromer. I'm Lauren Sherman. And as always, we're here to discuss the intersection of fashion and technology, uh, two of our favorite topics. Which and are becoming more of tri- one. Yeah. They're becoming one topic. Yeah, when we started this, it was kind of like, okay, you're really going to talk about both of those things? Yeah. And now it's not, kind now of annoying. Too much to talk about. I know. Um, I, let, let's start off with, uh, with the news. Uh, there was CES was last week in Las Vegas yeah. and you forwarded me a hilarious email in, yeah. in basically, um, Intel, the still kind of the world's most important chip company, but maybe not going forward, invited you to experience Intel's, uh, future contributions to the fashion industry or something like that. I don't yeah. have the email in front of me, but it was basically like. It seemed like a very desperate attempt to like. I, I see tech companies like Apple and you know maybe even Samsung or Nike or something like that kind of playing a role in fashion. Yeah. But this is this seems a little desperate for Intel, which has historically and you know has only been successful at making something still? that goes deeply inside your technology and and never is been like a consumer brand yeah. reaching out to fashion people i don't know it well, just seemed I, I just saw it and i found it hilarious what i will say is it ended up being kind of interesting i think from the opposite coming from the other end they are they're working on i haven't read the whole thing but they're working on some kind of wearable with opening ceremony which is a really cool brand so but it's a cool intel store. is making it or someone else is making it I, I didn't it can't be research. intel i don't know it's very strange but it ended up being the thing that they brought people out there for was interesting from a fashion perspective. Because the thing about all these wearables that I see, I kind I think that the Nike Fuel Band is pretty good looking, and I really like the rose gold version, which is a little more expensive. I think it's cool, but in general, I don't think these wearables are are that wearable. So the more that they do with these like really cool elevated brands like as a fashion person quote unquote i'm interested in that i don't necessarily think it will work on a mass level but i do i'm not going to wear one of those things if it doesn't look good but, but that's, i don't and, and that's i don't the really know like, if i'll ever will, wear one of those things will fashion people actually be able to help with that like if you get someone from opening ceremony are they going to agree on something with gadget company to a point where it actually looks good here's the thing i yes i think that 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 they can and i do think that 
what really can take can make something launch is having a group of I don't want to say influencers because that's such a marketing word, but like if everyone in the fashion industry starts wearing something and like is really into a product, then it will end up trickling down because then it's going to get put in the magazine. Then it's going to get shot on the street. Then it, it will, it can have an influence. And I do think, I mean, when I look at something like jawbone, I personally, I don't like the way that stuff looks. I know that it's done really well and it's like known for an Eve Bahar. You're talking about the, um, it's like the Bluetooth earpiece. You're talking about their fashion, their uh, exercise band. Their exercise band in particular, but yeah. also, I mean, I think that they're which everyone I know who's gotten it says is broken like three or four times. Well, I just, I mean, they are known for having great design. Yeah, and to me, it doesn't look good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and could they benefit? I mean, I know I did a piece where I actually saw the head of marketing there speak, and she mentioned that they would love to collaborate with designers. I don't think that's a bad idea. Does that mean that every single one of these things is going to become really cool and a great seller because it looks a little better? No. But one of them will, I Mm. think. Something... There's too much money being put into this market, and there are too many really smart people who are, are convinced it's going to work for it not to work. Yeah. You know? Well, maybe, but that's the thing. Like the the gadgets that have become the most fashionable of them all, which basically was the iPod and then the iPhone, had, you know, I mean, unless Johnny Ive was like working with fashion yeah. designers secretly all those years, like was not designed by a fashion person. Well, it was designed by a guy who worshipped brawn. Well, what I think, I mean, and that's the difference between fashion design and industrial design. Um, what I think is interesting about the Apple products are everyone likes them. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. Someone like Phoebe Philo, who designed Celine, has that same thing. She has the same thing Johnny Ive has. She has the ability to make a product that every single person will think looks good or, you know, 90% of the population or 80%. Mm-hmm. She's obviously designs clothes and shoes and bags and things like that. But she has that same ability. Um, Not all designers do, but not all industrial designers do either. And I think the reason why tech companies, when it comes to wearables in particular, that they are looking to fashion. And Apple is probably looking to fashion more than anyone. They hired the YSL president to come in and specifically to look at wearables they hired the burberry ceo not for wearables more for retail, retail which makes sense and she also just but merchandising is she's going to be part of that yeah, yeah. Um, uh i'm i'm more convinced now that that a successful wearable product is actually not going to be displayed it's going to be invisible but i no i we'll and i agree that. but but that might not be for a while right and Obviously, but like you look at like the Samsung watch, and then there's a Pebble watch. These yeah. just look ridiculous. Well, if you think about the watches that are the most, I don't want to say popular, but a tank watch. It's all very utilitarian. So like it, the stuff that's going to do really well has to be utilitarian. I just I just pulled up exactly what this. Um, it's a smart bracelet designed hmm. by opening ceremony, and it'll debut at Barney's. And what does it do? Um. <laughs> 
I mean, it's a smart bracelet. I'm assuming Syncs it does with whatever. up SD card and carries yeah. all your photos. It does it, whatever all those other things do. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I haven't seen a picture of it. It's, they don't have a photo of it here. Um, I don't... I don't know. But cool. I don't think... I think <laughs> if you're going to team up with fashion and you're going to do yeah. something with fashion, those are the right... They're, they're working with the right people. Yeah, yeah. Like that's Like the true. designers... Uh, it just seems like they're more um, PR right events people. now than than anything else. They're definitely marketing partnerships, and they're good for those brands as well. I mean, I'm sure they're getting paid a lot of money, so why wouldn't they yeah. want to do it? Um, True. But I also think that you got to push that stuff forward somehow. And right now, wearable, the word wearable means you wear it, which means that – all these tech people are getting nervous because this isn't something that you can hide. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to what they don't know and trying to, you know, it, it's most of it won't work just like most MP3 players didn't work, but I don't yeah. think it's necessarily a bad thing that they're reaching out to the fashion community to at least try to make something a little more interesting. Uh. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I just realized I said hello to our dog. It's okay. He's part of the podcast, too. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I, I obviously was not at CES, so I don't really have anything that I noticed there that was interesting. But we'll see. We'll watch this. We'll be keeping track of this. Yeah. I mean, it's not going away. Um, whether or not it's going to make the... Yeah, whether whether it's whether it's going to be the, the kind of industry that you know everyone participates in and is a you know, tens, hundreds of billions of dollars industry or whether it's, you know, something like the iPod shuffle where, you know, they sell a few million of them a year, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about somewhere we were, we did go, which was Tokyo. Yeah. We, um, which is kind of like going to CES. Kind of like going to CES. Uh, we went to Tokyo for uh, the week after Christmas and, um, basically, Ate a lot of food and tried to relax a little and went shopping a lot. And um, I don't know. My favorite uh, thing that I kind of picked up was just the – and this is kind of a theme in my life over the past year. Just the – how much better their magazines are there and how it seems that print, uh, especially like this men's style magazine Popeye that I picked up. Although it's called Magazine for City Boys. Um, <laughs> like, just going into a bookstore and seeing the last, like, four of these laid out, and they're, they're really thick still, and the, the photography is still really good. Uh, unfortunately, I can't read in most of it, so I don't know what they're actually talking about. But it just looks a lot more interesting. Like, I got a free subscription to GQ from, I don't know, one of those airline mile things. Mm-hmm. And when I say free, I mean I spent, like, $4 worth of Delta miles for it or mm-hmm. something like that. And I've skimmed through, I don't know, half of them that they sent me, and I'm just completely bored with it. Whereas this Popeye looks fairly interesting. And there's a couple more that's like free and easy. And I don't know if the women's struck you that way, but it just seems that the uh, there, there's a, a more interesting, vibrant uh, print market there. And have, newspapers are well, still really big there, too. I actually think women's is not as compelling. I, I am very inspired by the men's as well. I think menswear in, in Japan is just... Like, going into the stores, I'm much more interested in the menswear. The women's women's fashion there, and 
the first time we went, I was really disappointed by it. Um, less so this time because um, I think I knew more what to expect, and I also like went. We went to Dover Street Market, run by the Condé Garcon, you know, team and all that stuff. So like the the high concept fashion there is incredible and so influential. So I think that I paid more attention to that here there and less to the mm-hmm. you know stuff that real women wear. Practical the, the problem fashion. with the retail and the merchandising for women in Japan is that it's all very cute. It's that kawaii yeah. or whatever. Um, everything has a bow on it. Mm. Um, it's just too cute. Whereas the the menswear is like very, very um, influenced by Ivy League, preppy, Americana, yeah. also British. Um, yeah, it's a weird mixture of like Brooklyn, Paris, and mm-hmm. or like Brooklyn and London. Yeah. Um, but wait so, till they discover discover or, uh, Portland, and uh, then yeah, it's over. Wow. Um, <laughs> but so I find that I just like that more than what they have for women. But what I will say is that the indie magazine or the like upscale magazine market in the UK and in the US, um, but in the UK, Europe, France, Germany, there's some great magazines coming out of Australia. There's a lot of great women's magazines happening in the Western world and, and Australia um, that have, like, really elevated fashion and are really inspiring. They come out twice a year or hmm. four times a year or maybe once a year instead yeah. of, you know, the thing about a GQ is... They have to do it every month. It's every month. Yeah. It's much more commercial. It's, you know, it's an really... And these are all driven by advertising, but... When when you're putting something out that often, you're making so much money on it. It they're very driven by advertising, and you know I don't read G. I read Esquire quite a bit, um, but mm-hmm. I think that the difference is, you know, Esquire has a fashion section. They have fashion ma- manual, but Esquire is really about the the work and the you know the articles that are in there. GQ is kind of like that, but I think because they're better known for fashion, that's you're probably it, looking at it. You're not like digging deep into their, you know, New York Magazine-esque pieces. Where? They have running in there, in GQ. No, I didn't read any of the Yeah, text. so like... But hey, if I can't read really the Japanese what, text, why should I read the English text? Yeah, but but you're looking at these no, magazines because you, uh, you're seeing them as style magazines. Whereas right. the Esquire is really... I don't know the percentage, but a lot of women read Esquire because the articles are just really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. There are occasionally good articles in GQ also, and there are some great editors working there. But I'd say, for me, like looking at all the different magazines that are out there, Esquire's probably top three for me in terms of the the articles and pieces that they have in there. It's not like they're bringing news or doing anything like super crazy, but it's just really well-written and compelling, and that's what a magazine needs to be now. I think for style magazines, what's eventually going to happen is that they're going to just have to cut back and keep cutting back until they are only, you know, once every other month or once every six months and make money in other ways. Seasonal or something like that. Because that's, I mean, on the other hand, you and I are not the target customer for most of these things. No. We are expecting more. As as journalists and also as people who are interested in design and fashion and tech and all that stuff on a level that most people aren't. 
We're not we're mass ex- enough. No, the we're, tragedy we're of mass media. We're expecting a lot from from what we're doing, whereas other people are just using it as entertainment. Like when I read mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly, I love it. It's really it's a fun read. I'm sure the people who read Hollywood Reporter. And I also read Hollywood Reporter, which I love and think it's also one of the best magazines out there right now. But what, you know, the people in the industry who read Entertainment Weekly are probably like, this is a load of crap. Whereas I'm like, oh, that's fun because I don't, you know, I'm not inside it. So, Mm -hmm. Um, Well, what what was the thing that you noticed in Tokyo that was so interesting? What did I notice? Those crazy handkerchiefs. Oh, yeah. That was really interesting. So... What's that store called? Mitsutoshi? Uh, Mitsukoshi, which Mi- is like Mitsukoshi. basically one of the big department stores in Tokyo. So the first thing I noticed that I didn't notice as much the last time, because we didn't really go into many department stores the last time I was there, but um, is that people there shop in department stores. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot. They That's where they shop. You know, you go to Dover Street Market there. Or you go to opening ceremony and there's not that many people. I'm sure the people who are in there are spending, you know, 30 grand a pop. But when you go into a department store there, it's like going to Bloomingdale's during Christmas all year long. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and it wasn't and even, I guess it was Sunday, right? Or Saturday. So it was a week weekend. But it wasn't like, you know, well, pre-holiday. It during, Although it was pre-New Year's shopping, which could be crazy. No, because remember everyone said that everyone goes away for New Year's and that's oh, yeah. how, why we were able to like get good reservations and stuff because there just aren't a lot of people around during that time and the mm. sales don't start till after New Year's. But I was surprised at how many people and like we went on the fine jewelry floor and I feel like you go to the fine jewelry floor in Bergdorf and it's quiet. Yeah. Or if you go into Cartier or Tiffany, it's very quiet. There were just all these people there, tons of people crazy. trying stuff on, buying stuff. There were people with their masks on, trying <laughs> diamond Cartier earrings on. Like it's just that is how people shop there still, which is the first thing that I noticed that's very interesting because you know you hear about the fall of the department store and how you know we all do. Um, such it's just so different mm-hmm. um the other thing i noticed when we went into the mitsukoshi uh, mitsukoshi which a in friend Ginza. yeah my friend brit had said i went she had gone there for a quick trip earlier this year and she had seen all these like scarves and handkerchiefs all branded by designers but they were only like 10 bucks she said she bought like two little celine branded handkerchiefs and i was like which is That's like if, so if Celine made an actual handkerchief, it would probably it would be cost like two hundred bucks. Yeah, least. but these are like ten dollar. Yeah, and I, I super cheap feeling. Yeah, and what, so, what were some of the brands they had? So like, they didn't have Celine when we when we went, which I find thought Celine. was interesting. But um, they had Michael Kors, which isn't that crazy because he's not super high. But they had like Givenchy, they had Lanvin. Is that how you say that? Lanvin. Lanvin. Um, they had. Oh, they had YSL, Yves Saint Laurent, which now is only Saint Laurent in in the Western world. And that's how, I mean, their boutiques there that we went walked by. And yeah. that's how and they were all like branded. These, these aren't counterfeit. No, because there is no counterfeiting in Japan. Yeah. They're like super crazy about it. So it's, it's weird. It's like weird these little luxury brands licensing out kind of shitty handkerchiefs. And so I did. In, I in like the up, front of the department yeah. store. So I ended up doing. And the funny thing is I wanted to buy one. 
Yeah. Because I, you know, I love the Hermes. Hermes does like a little one. It's called the Twilly, and I think they're like 80 or 100 bucks. And when I was in high school. We bought someone for a gift that one time. No, we ended up buying her playing cards, Hermes playing cards. But, um,. When I was in high school, it was like but very But this is cool. like if, if, if like Osco had if, – if Walgreens had been selling shitty fake Hermes playing cards, yeah. that's what these handkerchiefs were so like. So the thing that was interesting – so I ended up doing some research. I did a little story for Fashionista on, on Japanese licensings, licensing in particular. And, you know, everyone is familiar with the whole idea of a brand, you know, having licenses that sell – different things and it became a really big deal in the 70s and 80s and you could buy like christian dior cigarettes and Hmm. slippers and um it got out of control and like when the luxury um conglomerates when these really big french companies started buying up all the fashion houses in the 90s they shut down most of those licenses i mean they still have some yeah perfume is usually a license but it's all very tightly controlled um like when jobs came back to apple he got rid of their their uh, public uh, merchandise store where, like, I have, like, an old Apple dog bowl and yeah. you could buy, like, Apple shirts and all that stuff. Now it's much more tightly controlled. Totally. So you have to go to the Apple not, campus to buy that kind of stuff. And, and you know, sometimes it works. I think the, the one that I saw that was really interesting was Burberry, which, which has been a – there since the early 70s they signed this deal they're actually ending their licensee there i think it's in 2015 hmm. um but i thought burberry out of all of them and again burberry is not as upscale as a Celine or a givenchy or something um but i thought burberry's was decently done like they have separate brands there one is called burberry blue label hmm. um and uh, the other one is burberry black um and the stores were branded. It's cheaper than, you know, the, they also, you can also buy, you know, the Burberry collection stuff there as well, but they have these other brands and it's kind of like a mid-level, it's like a contemporary line, like Marc Jacobs versus Marc by Marc Jacobs. And it Polo seems Sport. like, Sport. yeah, Something so it like seems that. like the branding was pretty on par but the and that that one seems successful i mean here's the thing about those little handkerchiefs i don't necessarily think they're a big deal and they definitely weren't a big deal 10 15 20 years ago but and i think brands have really really scaled back on that stuff more and more and more but five years ago even or maybe six years ago there was no well, you know, even the first time we went, it wasn't. I don't. Did we have Instagram the first time we no. went there? So it wasn't like I was. It was a pre-Instagram yeah. world. So I wasn't like I could take a photo and I could kick myself. I didn't take a photo of those things. I don't know why I didn't. That was so dumb. But it it wasn't you. You weren't going to take a photo and upload it for all these people who don't who are never going to go to Japan and never going to see them to see. Right and now, you can do that. And so, and also just like, it's easier to buy stuff overseas. Like one of the things about traveling, I've always loved buying things that you can't get anywhere else, but it's so hard to do that now. Like there aren't many things that you can only buy in Japan or you can only buy in France or you can only buy in. So because of that, because the world has gone so much smaller, I think that those tiny little handkerchiefs are way more you know, relevant now. 
to to branding to a to a fashion house's global branding as in as in they should stop doing them I or they should they do should. them themselves and do them better well they probably do do them themselves um is there any reason Celine should be selling anything for ten dollars though no no and that's the problem and and they know that and maybe that's why we didn't see Celine ones like right. I think that maybe that was a thing that happened in the last year that they really pulled even more tightly controlled. Who owns Celine? LVMH. Okay. Louis Vuitton. Recently or have... No, they have for years. Okay. But, and they, and uh, the point is this is not a rampant thing. Like it's, they've definitely scaled back with licensing, but I think that there's probably a few little things that have slipped through the cracks and... You know, the the thing we saw there that was really interesting were these J-Press doggy outfits. And then I researched... Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. Then I researched the J-Press license, and it's been since the early 70s. I think it was the first American brand to have a license over there. They have a huge Japanese business. And so you go to the Emotisando Hills Mall. You go to Basement Level 1, and there's an amazing dog clothing store. Yeah. Which we bought Ralphie, Ralphred a uh, Ralphie? down, sorry, <laughs> Ralphred, our small dog. We bought him a uh, down jacket. Yeah, it's for more than than we should have spent on a it, dog it's outfit. Really cute. I mean, but it, it's but what else, what I, other I um, licenses did they have there? I forgot. They had Lee jeans. Yeah, they had some really cute like Lee little denim denim things. Um, but the J Press one's the most interesting to me because J Press isn't. A hugely isn't like a super well-known brand no like it's well known amongst fashion people and like preppy people but it's not if i said to my mom yeah do you want anything i mean i don't even know if they sell any women's i think they do sell a little bit of women's but like should i buy my uncle a tie from j press she'd be like what is that is it connected to j crew yeah, like it's just right. not a brand that people know so about j crew's magazine um so and it's such a like Super strange. It's a super exclusive brand here too, in that it is like only for this Ivy preppy yeah community. So like we went to their store in New Haven, <laughs> which was pretty. It was what you would expect it to be, like yeah. stuffy. I mean, it had prep, a prep certain store. charm. Yeah, like I like that kind of stuff. But the fact that it's so, such a big deal in in. Japan in Tokyo for pet pet clothes. Yeah, I mean, I love. That was funny. Uh, cool. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, now we should talk about we had uh, our year, our year in sh- in buying. What yeah. do you What are you gonna What do you look forward to acquiring this year? I'm not. I'm gonna try to not buy as much stuff. Yeah, we'll that would be a that good works. that would be a good idea. Um I don't really need anything right now. I'm buying this one dress. I'm buying a bridesmaid's dress that I plan on wearing to a bunch of other weddings, which is going to be a decent investment, but it's re- it's nice. So I'll wear it. I'm going to try to wear it to every single wedding I go to this year and write a story about it. Mm-hmm. So um that's like going to be one of my bigger things. I also I'm interested in buying some sort of nice piece of jewelry or something. Like I have a lot of really good clothes. I don't really need clothes. I don't really need 
coats. I don't need bags, but I would like to buy myself like a nice yeah. piece. Of, nothing crazy, like something under five hundred bucks, but maybe okay. a nice p- piece of jewelry or earrings or something. And also, on the non-fashion um, side of things, I am interested in maybe buying myself a new laptop. But we'll see. Interesting. So I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. Is yours getting too slow? No, it's not yet, but I feel like there was a reason. Oh, you said that the the hard drive. You said that it won't; it'll last longer, like oh. it, the battery. Oh, the battery! Yeah, they last a lot that's longer kind now. Of a big deal for me because I, yeah. I even when I'm not busy, when it's like fashion not, week, you're out all day. But even last week, same thing. I yeah. was out. You know, from because I work from home, and then I go into the city for meetings, and so I end up. Yeah, that's that's actually a a really good idea. That's a really good reason to get a new one because the new ones, the battery lasts almost all day. Um, Cool. Yeah, I think this year, uh, I think my laptop is cool for a while, but I definitely want to figure out our TV situation. Mm -hmm. We have probably been talking since the beginning of the show about an Apple TV. It wasn't our first show about ugly TVs, Yeah. yeah. I don't think we're going to get an Apple TV. Well, I don't think there's going to Yeah, it's like now coming up on 3 years again since everyone started talking on them. Yeah. And I just don't know if it's going to happen. Well, I think so I might the other day I was looking at TVs on Amazon and they're starting to get so cheap that basically the TV we have is from 2005 and mm-hmm. it's has a very annoying personality and also lacks very basic features like HDMI. So doing things like using an Apple TV with it require a lot of workarounds and kind of hacks. And it's the Apple TV is becoming more and more useful in more of our watching routine that it's starting to get annoying. So I might we might invest in a uh, non-Apple television. I know the one thing we won't be buying. What's that? DVDs. Oh, yeah. Which can we? Just uh, I'm talk still about tempted to get a Blu-ray player, but I don't. I don't my reasons I for really Blu-ray are have de- decreased. Because first, I really wanted um, Planet Earth in Blu-ray, mm-hmm. mostly during my uh, hazier days, because it is such a compelling show in super high def. But uh, then Apple had it in 1080p on iTunes, so I just bought it there. And then I wanted things like Fight Club and a few other movies that were not in HD on iTunes, mm-hmm. but now they're all in HD on iTunes. So the, uh, basically I have zero reasons left to get a Blu-ray player. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think you should get a Blu-ray player. Um, no, we're not going to. But I think I think that ship has sailed. But I'm just – can we talk about this DVD thing? So I noticed I have to do gift guides for work. Like I, I – did a couple gift guides for a couple different um, of the publications that I write for. And I like looking through gift guides. I mean, every website and and magazine does them, and I'm always just curious what people put in. A lot of people put in DVDs, like DVD box sets. Hmm. Like what? I don't know. Um, a- absolutely fabulous. Like good newer stuff, or is it like jokey stuff? No, like, like classics, uh, like the Wire DVD box set. Yeah, that, that was a good one. But but here's my question: Zach Morris, though, like that kind of no, stuff. No, no, okay, no. Like, I don't know. Legit 
stuff that we would want to watch, okay. that we would be, be excited to own that. But I just feel like why would you – first of all, we don't even have a contraption to put a DVD in, do we? We we do, but it would be really challenging. And And second of all, who is thinking that's a good investment? Like – I get that it's much nicer to present a box of DVDs than to send someone the iTunes yeah. gift card. You, or you uh, here, your present is yeah. But it just seems silly. Well, and that's why uh, I actually made fun of this on Splat Up the other day. But the, Hollywood actually has an answer to that, which is that uh, you sh- you can buy a DVD now and get a free copy of the electronic version, so you can. Give someone the tangible, physical yeah. thing that may have, like, you know, a booklet with it or something like that or so like by... looks cool on your shelf. And then plug it into this website and then download the – or stream the digital copy of it. But it's such a horrible user experience and it only works for certain things. And it's just such – like the epitome of Hollywood trying to, in theory, do something good for you but fucking it up so much that it's – worse than just buying it a second time on iTunes that it doesn't even work. Here's what but I think. But to answer your original question, yeah. I would be upset if someone got me a DVD. Here's what I think would be a better solution to that. Yeah. Like I I bought that Wes Anderson book. I should have probably let someone buy it for me as a gift. But yes, that, yes you should have. It, well, I mean it wasn't that expensive, but yeah, you, No, like then yeah. I could have gotten it for but you and it would have been more fun. It's so cool. It's like yeah, a, it's a awesome. coffee table book, but it it's, has conversations between Matt Stoller's I I think that's his name the author who's been writing about Wes Anderson and the Wilson since they started and he's really interesting. It's just conversations between them goes through each movie um I would have much – I think a much better gift is buying that and then sending an email saying I buy you every single Wes Anderson movie on iTunes or something like that. Yeah. Like, now we're talking $200 gift though. Well, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people spend that much. Okay. Um, <laughs> Busted. Um, I think that that's a much more thoughtful gift. Yeah. Or interesting. Like they're all – basically every iconic – television series or interesting movie has some sort of coffee table book thing that could complement her at some or like some sort of complimentary thing. Mm -hmm. So it just feels like if you are worried about not being able to give someone something they can hold in their hands, buy them a little trinket that kind of has to do with. Yeah. I just think, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm being silly, but I just can't, I'm shocked that people still have, that people still deal in that. Like um, in our old neighborhood, there's this really cool little video store called Videology, and it seems pretty busy. And they've also rebranded to make it look all like retro and hip. But um, Yeah, I don't think it's all porn either. No. I think people actually do go there for real movies. But that's what I just don't get is are we just – are you like so – into weird tech stuff that that's most people still do own DVD. No, players. I don't think. I mean, I think that most people still have something hooked up to their TV that will play a DVD. Yeah. Whether it's an Xbox or an actual DVD player. Yeah. But I don't think that DVD rentals like Blockbuster is gone. Yeah. Hollywood Video is probably gone. Yeah. No, you know, most neighborhood video stores are long gone. Yeah. I'm not sure what's fueling that. 
there now like there a, are a lot of dumbass rules like we couldn't we wanted to watch Rushmore the other day and it was not on iTunes for rental it was only available via HBO and at that point we didn't have HBO so we would have basically had to either buy it digitally or go to a video store and rent it yeah um so that's another way that Hollywood is it's because it's not like a being record. an asshole but like it's not like it looks better on DVD than it does downloading, you know. It's not. Uh, right. Yeah, and now it looks better, much better downloading than on DVD. Anyway. All Any right. Any other predictions for for this year? For stuff that we're gonna buy? No, just oh. like stuff in general. Uh, no, I don't know. I I don't. We'll see. We'll see about this wearable stuff. I'm my my uh, approach to this stuff these days is just to keep a really 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 low expectation and be impressed as opposed to the other way around where I used to be have well, I still have very high standards but I used to get excited about stuff and then oh, that's it yeah. so we'll see okay. I stopped using that fuel band though so I'm I'm currently at wearable zero yeah, yeah. so I'm I'm in the market for one but not aggressively. Well, I, I don't want like a fitness tracker. No. I already know that I that my fitness level is too low. Uh, yeah, I've been using an app on the city bike, but that's a different that's a different topic. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, as always, if you have questions for us or stuff you'd like us to talk about in future episodes, you can email us at hello at theneedleandthemouse dot com or tweet us at needle and mouse. Is that it? I think that's I think it. So. Um, old episodes and random other stuff available on our Tumblr at theneedleandthemouse.com. And we will be back in a few weeks yeah, let's try with to a new show. Let's do one before the, end of fe- before the end of January. Let's do it. We'll do it in two weeks. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye.